we're in lesson five today. We're going to we're up to chapter two. We're going to look at verses seven through eleven today. And let me just kind of bring you up to speed with where we're at because we've had some really good discussions uh, so far with going through this. And I just want to I just want to recap everything so far. You know, John starts off. With his in his prologue, he's talking about the reality of Jesus because in his day they were dealing with a heresy, and just think about this: this is just this is somewhere time around around eighty eighty, so this would have been like fifty years after the death of Christ, where it's no longer the church is no longer being dominated by Jewish believers because after eighty seventy. Uh, the Jewish hearts were very much definitely hardened towards the gospel. They already were hardened anyhow. But after the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, they were very much hardened towards uh, the church. And so the church is becoming dominated by Gentiles. And so there was, there was beginning to, uh, the beginning stages of a, a Gnostic heresy that was coming. Now Gnosticism is the Greek word for knowledge. And basically they were denying two things. Number one, that Jesus was human. Okay, because Gnosticism had felt that anything that was fleshy was evil, only that which was spiritual. But they were also denying his deity. So he starts off in the very beginning by talking about that, you know, that which was from the beginning, Jesus, from the beginning. So he's talking about his deity there. That which we've seen and handled. He's talking about we phys- he had a physical body. And he talks about that this was life. Okay, so he's talking about it's the message of salvation. He says, this is the message that we're proclaiming you. And then he goes ahead and launches right into the other issue that they're struggling with. Is by this time, the church is struggling with people who are making a profession of faith, but they're not living it. It's not evident in their life. So he starts off by talking about if you walk in darkness, you're deceived. Or you make Christ a liar. Now, what do you mean by make Christ a liar? Well, when you say you have no sin in your life, you're basically saying that Christ is a liar because Christ died for everyone because we're all what? Sinners. And we all sin. So he goes into chapter 2 then, and he says, my little children, I, I, you know, I'm writing these things so that you don't sin. You say, okay, well, I'm supposed to not sin. But the problem is, is we what? We do sin. So he says, but if you sin, you have an advocate. An advocate is one who speaks on behalf of. And our advocate who speaks to the Father on behalf of us when we sin is who? Jesus. Who is the propitiation. Now that is a big Bible word that means literally the atoning sacrifice. It also means wrath satisfier. So he satisfied the wrath of God towards us because of our sin. But then he immediately after saying that, which is what we looked at last week, he talks again about, you know, if you say you know Jesus, but you don't keep his commandments, you're deceiving yourself. Now, we got really hung up last week on that because we're like, well, well, I sin. I don't keep his commandments. Well, you got to go back to the first two verses. He's saying, I'm writing to you that you don't sin, but if you sin, you have an advocate. But then he goes on and he says here, but if you say... You know him, but you're not keeping his commandments. You say, well, that seems almost like a contradiction here now. It's not a contradiction. What he's talking about here is someone whose life is, that is the distinguishing mark of their life, is that they live like the world. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? They're, they're not a follower of Jesus. You know, they may say they're a follower of Jesus, but everything about their life exhibits that they're still following what the world says. They're still, their value system. In fact, as we go a little bit further, he's going to talk about the value systems and stuff that we're influenced by. So does everybody understand what I'm saying? So if you're a follower of Jesus, we're not talking about that you stumble in the normal course of your daily life. You can still follow Jesus and stumble. But we're talking about people who make a profession who aren't following Jesus. And we've met people like that. You know, I've been around a long time now. And, I, you know, I've been pastoring for 20 years. And I've met people who consistently are in adultery, doing something to their wife, and plus the other ladies they're with, and then act like they're okay. John says, no, no, that's, that's not possible. That's not just a one-time stumble. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? That's a pattern that reflects something about your life. That's the issue that we're talking about here. So now we get into verse 7 because he says, look, if you know me, you're going to keep my commandments. So now he's going to tell you what the commandments are. But i got a question. Can I ask a question? All right, go ahead. Yeah, this would be prior. He's in Asia Minor. At this time, John is in Ephesus. Okay. By this point in Ephesus, Timothy is dead. The Apostle Paul died sometime around AD 63. Okay. He's the last apostle. And he kind of, kind of migrated there about AD 75. And he's been, he's kind of like the religious overseer for an entire area, but he's out of Ephesus. Okay, so this is right before his exile to the Isle of Patmos, where he received the book of Revelation. So does that help you get the setting a little bit? Okay. All right. So now, let's get back to what we're talking about here. Remember he said, if, if, you, if you know him, you're going to keep his commandments. Well, now he's going to tell you what that chief commandment is. Okay, so that's what we're going to focus on here. Let's look at verse 7. We're going to talk about the old commandment. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you, which you heard from the beginning. Okay, so let's talk for a moment here. We're going to look, first of all, he says there's no new commandment. So he says, you know, I just said to you, if you keep his commandments, that's going to reflect a, that you know Jesus. Well, the, the immediate the expectation is, oh, he's getting ready to tell me something I shouldn't do. Well, here's what John says. John is telling his readers that he's not giving them a new commandment. So he's not going to add something to their list of stuff to do. All right? He's not going to give them a new commandment. Rather, John is emphasizing a commandment that they have known. So rather, he says, I'm not going to give you a new commandment. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a commandment that you already know. That you should already know. Alright? In fact, he says, this commandment that they had, they had from the beginning. Now, when you read that, you're like, what? The beginning? What beginning? Is it talking about the beginning that he was talking about in chapter 1, verse 1, when he talked about Jesus? No, he's talking about the commandment that they had from the beginning of their faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you come to Jesus Christ, 
one of the commandments that you should learn immediately, and we're going to learn it here in a moment, is this commandment that he's talking about. So he's reminding them that this is a commandment that they should have known from the beginning of their walk with Christ. Okay? So he's wanting to remind them of a commandment that is very important. That's very important. The one that they've heard from the beginning. John tells his readers that he's writing a new commandment. Now, wait a minute now. You say, George, well, what's this old commandment? Okay, well, here it is. Remember, Jesus was asked the questions, what are the two, what's the greatest commandment in the law? What was it? To love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the second was, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the commandment he's talking about. He's talking about this old commandment that they've known from the beginning is that they're to love their neighbor as themselves. Now he gets into verse 8, and look at what he says in verse 8. It's almost like a contradiction here. Look at verse 8. Again, a new commandment I write to you. Wait a minute, hold on. Okay, well, let's hold on. Let's keep reading first. Which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Okay, a new commandment. He just told us he wasn't giving us a new commandment. Now he's saying he's given. I mean, in one verse, he changes. Is he? Is there something wrong, John? No, he's not giving us an, a new commandment. It's a renewed commandment. Here's what I'm saying. By new, John means the old commandment renewed by Jesus. Because Jesus came along and took that commandment of loving your neighbor by yourself and he expanded it. Do you understand what I'm saying? He re-emphasized it. In fact, if you read in the Gospel of John, John's Gospel, Jesus emphasizes that commandment, a new commandment I give unto you, that you what? Love one another. Okay, so he's re-emphasizing the commandment that was the old commandment. Except he's adding it a little different twist to it. Because Jesus would say in the Gospel of John, By this will they know that you are my disciples. What? That you love one another. Okay? So John's not saying, oh, he's giving us an ultra-new, he's giving the old commandment, but it's also a new commandment, a renewed commandment from Jesus, that we love one another. So let's go on here. This commandment was evident in believer, in Jesus and believers, is what he's saying here. This commandment was evident in Jesus. Would you say that love was evident in the life of Jesus? Can't read through the Gospels and not see that, right? But it's also evident in the life of believers. Should be, right? Don't go by the guys you see on TV. Some of those guys, uh, I don't even know if some of them are saved the way they act. Okay? I'm just being honest with you, because the, the key evidence of a believer's life should be love. Now, I just was reading a book this week. Somebody gave me a book. They got it at, they found it at the Dollar Tree, so they bought it for a buck. It was a really good book. It was written by an unbeliever who attended an evangelical church, a well-known evangelical church, and was talking about, because they wanted to understand evangelicals. And 
Yeah, it kind of made you cringe, some of the things they pointed out about evangelicals. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see that. But one of the things that she couldn't get away from was the sense of community and love in a church and concern. I thought, that's, that's good. That's good. Because that's what John's saying here in this verse, is that this new commandment was evident in the life of Jesus and in what? In us, he says, in, in believers, where we have a concern and a genuine love for each other. Okay? So this commandment is evident in believers and in Jesus. He also says that it needs to be evident right now because of the nature of the time. Notice what he's saying. The dark time is passing away as the light is beginning to shine. See, John's, John views things in terms of light and darkness. He views our world as being in darkness right now. But he's saying that's beginning to change because of what? The gospel. And because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Because ultimately the light will shine and overcome the darkness when? When who comes back? When Jesus comes back. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because look at what he says there. Because the, you know, this new commandment, this new commandment that he's talking about, this renewed commandment to love one another, is evident, which is true in him, that's Jesus, and in you. Why? It's true in us because the darkness is passing away. This dark world is passing away. And the true light is already shining. The true light, what's that? The gospel truth. The message of Jesus Christ. Okay? So then he goes on, and he's going to talk about the implications of this. So this is where I want to have the interaction from you. Because we've just kind of blown through these first two verses, where he's reminding us about this commandment that was from the beginning and renewed by Jesus. What was it from the beginning? That I'm, what, to love my neighbor as, what, myself. But Jesus renewed and said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you, what, love one another. Now we get into the implications of that with regard to this discussion that John's having about what your life should reflect. And if your life doesn't reflect it, there's a question about whether or not you know Jesus. So look with me at verses 9 through 11. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause of stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So here's what we're going to see. We're going to see, first of all, in verse 9, a false profession. What does that mean? We're going to see in verse 10, faith revealed. That's true faith revealed in a life. And then we're going to see in verse 11, spiritual blindness. Okay, so let's talk about the false profession. John states that one cannot profess faith and hate his brother. Now, let me just stop for a moment because I want to distinguish what he's saying versus what he's not saying. Here's the thing. John, John's a realist. By this point, he's, he's, he's old. He's probably in his 60s or 70s. So he's lived human life. 
And when you live human life, you understand that when you have relationships between people, there's going to be conflict. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's going to be some level of conflict. That's just the nature of human relationships, right? Everybody understand that? There are no human relationships where there are no conflicts. Does everybody understand that? That's not possible. Okay? We say, well, we've never fought. Well, I'm sure you've had a disagreement. Okay? I'm sure there's been a... That that disagreement is called conflict. Okay? Does everybody understand me? So, with human relationships, you're going to have conflict. So, when conflict arises, John's a realist, and he's going to understand that you probably are going to get ticked off at somebody. Do, Do you understand what I'm saying? How many of you have gotten ticked off at somebody this week? And you're normal. Everybody here, okay? I mean, everybody gets ticked off. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when he talks about you can't profess faith and hate your brother, he's not talking about you getting irritated with your brother. Irritation and conflict are normal. Does everybody understand me? So here's the thing. I'm going to irritate you. You're going to irritate me. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if you think otherwise, this is not Candyland. Okay? We're going to fall into the molasses swamp here sooner or later. Okay? Do you know what I'm saying? Okay? So, I mean, the reality is is that, we're, you know, I'm going to do something to irritate you. You're going to do something to irritate me. That's life. That's part of church life. When he talks about here about hating your brother, that's one step beyond an irritation. That is literally anger, resentment, bitterness that is harbored where you literally do not like and you hate that individual. That's not irritation. Okay, because why am I why am I going through this exercise with you? Because somebody here is going to grab what I'm saying and, and grab it the wrong way. They're going to say, "Well, you know, that means I can't be irritated with so and so." And I was irritated with them last week, and I must not be a Christian now because I was irritated. Come on, that's not what he's talking about. Okay, he's talking about people who are resentful. Now let's stop for a moment. We're not all babes here. We're not all wet behind the ears. Some of you have been going to church a long time. But you can remember in your church when you have seen hatred coming out of an individual towards another individual. Am I right? Right? This is what he's talking about. We're not talking about minor irritation. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, all you got to do is wake up on the wrong side of the bed and you're irritated at everybody. We're not talking about that. But what we're talking about is at level of anger, resentment, bitterness that is harbored towards other individuals, especially here, your brother. So what John is saying is, is you can't say that you love Jesus and harbor anger and resentment towards somebody else. It's not possible. Okay? It's not possible. Why? And this is John. This is John. John's saying this. Such a person is still in darkness, meaning 
He's not saved. When you have somebody who's acting that way, and they're expressing that kind of resentment, they're not saved. You know, there's, 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 you know, in our congregational system, thankfully our church has not been this way here since I've been here, okay? But I've been in a church where this happened, and I have, I'm sure this has happened in our church at some point. But I can almost tell you a function of the church that reveals the spirituality of people where they're really at. Do anybody know what it is? It's a business meeting. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it used to be, I, I think there was, must have been, in some of the clauses of our constitutions, there must have been a secret fine print clause that said, leave your Christianity at home during a business meeting. But no, it's not that they left their Christianity at home. It's possible that they were never Christians. Whew. Yeah. Because John's very, very right here. That if you know Jesus Christ, it's one thing to get irritated. It's one thing to be upset about something. But if you're going to harbor bitterness and anger and hatred towards somebody, there's a question of whether or not you really know Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying here. Why? Because now we get to verse 10. Because he's going to say how faith is revealed. Look with me at verse 10. Look at what he says. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. So what's he saying here? A person who loves his brother reveals his faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your faith in Jesus Christ, John is saying, is revealed by your love for the brothers and sisters. Here's the thing. Can I just stop for a moment? You may want to write this down. This is Christian maturity. Write that down. This is Christian maturity. This is Christian maturity. Understanding that the saints ain't perfect. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is Christian maturity. The saints ain't perfect. So what does that mean? People are going to mess up. People are going to do something wrong. But if you understand that, you can, be, you can be more tolerant. In fact, I believe that as you mature in your faith, you become more tolerant of others and their junk in their lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? I believe that. Because, number one, when you mature in your faith, you recognize what a scumbag you are. Sorry, I didn't mean that for you. I meant that for me. But if the shoe fits, wear it. Did you understand what I'm saying? You begin to recognize what a worm you are. And that you can't be looking down on other people because you don't have your act together. And when you realize that, you can become more tolerant of other people and the stuff that they do. Because it's just like the stuff that you deal with, maybe in a different form. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what happens is, is maturity and faith brings about a love for other people. So the person who loves his brothers, wart and, warts and all, that's expressing, that's revealing his faith in Jesus. Did you understand what I'm saying?
That's revealing his faith in Jesus. In fact, here's what it says. Abides in the light. The word, that's, that statement, abides in the light, means salvation. So if you love your brother, you're abiding in the light. What is he saying? You, you have experienced salvation because you're able to love the brothers and sisters. Does everybody understand I'm using the brothers generically? In fact, he goes one step further. He says that this, if you're loving and you're abiding in the light because of that love, that love expresses the abiding, you know, the abiding in the light is expressed in love towards others. He goes one step further and he says, there is nothing in such a person to cause them to fall into sin. There's no stumbling there. Now, what's he talking about? Hatred has caused many a man to stumble. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Hatred has caused many a man to stumble. What do you mean by that? You ever been around a bitter person? You ever been around a bitter person? What, what does a bitter person talk about? His, his resentment, who he hates or she hates. The issue, in fact, you could go there and you could talk, I mean, the Steelers could win the Super Bowl, and you know, you're there celebrating, and you're talking about the Steelers, and, and, and they say, what do you think about that? And they're thinking, he's probably watching it too. <laughs> and he's enjoying it, and I'm in my misery here because of what he's done to me. Have you been around somebody like that? I mean, they could take a normal circumstance and turn it right back to what? Their hurt, their resentment. And their anger comes out. And then, But it doesn't just come out. It causes them to stumble. Why? Because it produces in them sinful actions. Because they begin to say things they shouldn't say. They begin to do things that they shouldn't do. Because with hatred comes the comes the feelings of wanting vengeance. Do you understand what I'm saying? John's saying that if you abide in the light and love is expressed in your life, there's no cause for stumbling in your life. Love's not going to cause you to stumble. Do you understand what I'm saying? Love's not going to cause you to sin. Love's not going to cause you to do wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? But if you've got... Anger and bitterness harbored in your heart towards somebody, it's going to cause you to do wrong. Everybody understand what I'm talking about? And let's just stop for a moment. I, there's been times when I've been royally ticked off at somebody, and if I didn't get a grip on it, it caused me to do something that wasn't right. We all are there, right? This is the point that John's making here. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, it's possible eventually it could do that, Scott. Yeah. Now, let me just stop for a moment. It's okay to be irritated. Do you think Jesus was irritated when he walked into the temple and saw the money changers? And his irritation was expressed in cleaning it up. But And the Bible says, be angry, but what? Sin not. It's okay to be angry. The sin is in anger. It's what you do with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's like, oh, well, I've got an anger problem. Does that mean I'm not saved? No, you got an anger problem. You need to deal with it. It's what you do with the anger. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's what you do with the anger. 
So there's nothing in such a person to cause them to stumble. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what do we do with this so far? Because before we get to the last verse, well, here, here's what you do. I would, I would be praying like this when you pray. You know what? Our prayer life should expand more beyond God bless the missionaries and may I have a good day today and, and zap my boss so he doesn't leave me, he leaves me alone. It's got to expand beyond that, okay? Alright? Oh, I understand. But in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, okay? Alright. It's got to go beyond that. If, you know, our prayer lives need to be reflective of, listen to me, our prayer lives need to be reflective of Lord, help me to love. Lord, I, I'm dealing with this guy and at work, and I'm having a hard time loving them. You called me to love them. I can't do this. Help me to love them. God, I'm dealing with this customer. Every time he comes in, I just cringe. I don't like talking to him, Lord, and you call me to love him. How do I deal with that? Lord, help me. Do you understand how, the, how our prayers should be informed by what we see in the Scripture? Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Because here, here's the reality. The reality is, is that when I read something like this, I realize real quick, man, I am falling way short. Do, do you know what I'm saying? I'm falling way short. Because we do harbor resentments, right? We do harbor anger. People have done us wrong. Yeah, Jim. Yep. Okay. In, in, in the direction we're going in, as far as our walk with Christ, is that what you mean? Okay. Okay. Okay, I, th- I, I think that's a good point. Because here's the thing, because if you weren't working on it, or you were never going in the direction at all, yes, and that's what John's saying. Yes, that's the point John's trying to make here. Yeah, if you, okay, so go back to remember, at the beginning of our discussion, I wanted you to understand that I'm not talking about irritation, I'm not talking about normal... I'm talking about people who are living in resentment and anger. Do you understand what I'm saying? And they are not changing. They don't care. Jim's rightly pointing out, but if you are moving in the direction, okay, so like, you know what? If you've got anger issues or whatever, but you don't recognize them, there's a, there's a problem there. But if you do recognize them and you're trying to work on it, do you understand what I'm saying? That's reflective of, of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? What we're talking about here is a person who makes a profession, but there's no, I mean, they're not changing. Do you, know, do you know what I'm saying? They're still the bitter, angry people that they are. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? And it, can, I, can I be honest with you? Christianese talking doesn't couch who they really are. It doesn't cover. Because I've met some really spiritual acting people in my life in Baptist churches who could talk the lingo and answer the Bible questions. But come time to when they're dealing with somebody, be brutally angry and vicious and mean. 
That speaks louder than the talk. And that is reflective of somebody who lives in what? Darkness. Now, let me just stop for a moment. For every one of you here, you probably are going to be struggling. I mean, a lot of us deal with anger issues. Can I just be honest about that? So let's not just say, oh, that's just a select few people. A lot of us deal with anger issues. It may be as manifested in different ways, but a lot of us deal with anger issues. Because of experiences that we've had, because of what we're going through right now, we deal with anger issues. The issue is, and I think Jim's bringing out a good point, what are you doing with it? If you're moving forward, that's reflective of walking in the light. If Christ is helping you through that. That's why I'm saying, let the scripture inform your prayers. Lord, help me to love that person. Help me to deal with my anger. Help me to deal with this. But if there's no change, you don't care, you just live in brutal anger all the time. And we've met people like that, right? They're just angry individuals. They don't care. But if they say they love Jesus, you don't love Jesus. Jesus' love would permeate you and try to change you and convict you of your anger and your resentment and cause you to bring you to the point where you're going to have to say, Lord, I need help to get over this. Do you understand what I'm saying? The reason why a Christian can look at the anger issue and do something about it is because the Holy Spirit's helping him to identify the issue that needs to change. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, Brad. That's good, Brad. Here, let, in fact, while you were talking, I was just thinking back to the Apostle Paul, Galatians chapter 5. Let me just read this to you. He's going to talk about the works of the flesh here and the works of the Spirit. Okay, this is the works of the flesh, all right? The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, Sorcery. You say, oh, well, I'm doing okay, George. I haven't done any of those things yet. Well, listen. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy. Surely we don't struggle with envy here, do we? We drive by that new car lot. See that car there? Okay. That's covetousness. Murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I've told you before, just as I've told you in time past. Here's the key phrase. That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What's he saying? Practice those things. Those people whose lives are marked, whose, that's the main evidence of their life are those things. They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. It's throughout the New Testament. So then he goes one step further, and here's what he says is the fruits of the Spirit. This is what, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, listen to me, this is what he is wanting to produce in your life. So let the Scripture inform you in how to pray. Listen to what he says here. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. See, this is what Christ is going to be producing in your life. So when Jim says it's about whether or not you're going in the right direction still, that's really, it's where the Spirit is taking you and what he wants to produce in your life. You know what? You're going to probably be dealing with anger till you die. Can I be honest with you? It just doesn't go away. But it's what you do with it. Do you understand? What you do with it. Now, here, here's the thing. Because what we're talking about is, 
not the issue of anger. We're talking about hatred, resentment, bitterness. That's what we're talking about. Someone whose life where that is, when you talk, when you mention, that is the mark of who they are. That is reflective. I don't care how much they say they love Jesus. You can't be that way completely. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't be that way because the love of Christ is going to change you. Now, I have a personal testimony about that, okay? Uh, many of you know that my dad was murdered. In 1986, in September of 1986, my dad was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he was robbed and taken out to a black cemetery. And in, in South Carolina, you understand, so from the old segregation days, they have cemeteries where we're for white people, and then they have black cemeteries. He was taken up to North Columbia, off a road, out to a black cemetery, and shot. For $75. They, you know, they caught the guy within several days. Okay, how they did it? This is this 86, because they, they take pictures at the ATMs. Do they still do that, bank people? Okay, I think they still do that. Okay, so they had the picture of the guy there, with, and they had a picture of him going back to the same account trying to draw some more money out. Uh, so they caught him. Now, he, here's, you know what, somebody takes your daddy. You think that's going to cause a big hate? Well, the amazing thing was that I can remember being a prayer meeting a week later and praying and saying, God, I forgive them for taking my daddy. Now, that's Jesus. Because the natural human tendency is to what? You know what I'm saying? You know, you know what I mean? Ow. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So, um, this is what we're talking about. Love changes you. The love of Christ changes you. Now here, we've got one more verse. Verse 10, the person who hates his brother lives in darkness. This person is living in darkness. This is what John is saying. When somebody has that kind of hatred and resentment and anger, and it, you know, and it's one thing, like, w- disputes happen in church, but if we can't resolve it and people come to, to cause even in Christ, come to some sort of making of amends, but it just continue to harbor it, there's something that's reflective that's wrong there. Somebody's living in darkness, is what John's saying here. And what happens is, is that such a person is blinded by the darkness. You ever met somebody who's blinded by their hatred? You ever met somebody like that who's blinded by their hatred? This is what he's talking about here. They are blind. All they see is their hatred. Hey, it's the Middle East, isn't it? You know, when you look at the Middle East and, and, the, and the strife that's going on there with Israel and the Arabs and even among themselves, we're talking about hatred that goes back, what? Centuries. And it blinds them. This is the implication that he's talking about here. 